Welcome and thanks for joining us here at the Bethel Church Podcast. For more information about Bethel and who we are, you can visit us online at BethelChurch.info. We hope you are encouraged and that you find hope in today's message. We've been talking about discipleship the past few weeks and Rich Suderman, our director of Recovery Alive, he brought this amazing message two weeks ago about the necessity of discipleship, the biblical imperative of discipleship. Last week, I talked a little bit about how we do it. You know, we consider each other and we do what? Stir it up. Thank you. Thank you for the two people that remembered the message from last week. <laughs> Man, maybe I shouldn't put so much time into preparing for messages. And then, but this week, I wanna to talk to you a little bit the message is for you. It's for me. But it's really, I want to see this message applied in the context of discipleship. So this morning, we're going to talk a little bit about the content. Like when we get together, what, what am I saying? What are we doing? What are we calling each other to? What is the message that we're going to share? So I told you this message is going to be a little bit different. Y'all know I'm not, a, I'm not a verse hopper, but I'm going to hop around a little bit here. You guys ready? All right, I want you to go to Genesis chapter 12. Now, you, if you, you remember this message from the This is the Bible series, so I, I'm not going to do a whole lot of um, talking about it. I just want to show you something. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. I want you to notice this and we're gonna go to another New Testament version of this. I want you to see this. I want you to see God calls. Abram obeys. But what does Abram obey? Does Abram leave the place and say to himself, I need to make my name great? Does he leave and say, God promised me he would make me into a great nation and he needs my help? What does he say? Actually, what does he actually do? Yes, he actually does that. Was that what God was calling him to do? No. All right, let's look, let's look somewhere else real quick. New Testament, Matthew 4, 18 through, 9, 18 through 19. You're gonna see a pattern in scripture. So we're, we're, we're zooming out to this morning. We're getting an aerial view. I'm hoping that we will begin looking at the entire Bible completely differently after this Sunday. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, Jesus saw two brothers, Simon and Andrew, casting his net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and you're gonna need to work really hard at becoming fishers of men. Follow me, and I will give you a list of things to do and a list of things to not do. And if you will do the things you're supposed to do and don't do the things that you weren't supposed to do, then and only then will you become fishers of men. How many of you know we're saved by our works? No, that was, a, that was sarcasm. If you didn't feel that, it's in the room right now off to our, our online viewers. No, he says, follow me and I will make you into fishers of men. 
These two instances sum up the Christian walk to maturity. The further we get along in our relationship with the Lord, the more we realize that growing up in Christ takes a shift from do to done. From what I'm supposed to do, from what I'm not supposed to do, and into a place of identity where I know who God says that I am. Matthew 5, 17 through 20. I think this will be the last one. Do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So this false doctrine of like, Jesus did away with the rules. No, he didn't. He fulfilled them. He fulfilled them. And when we're in him, they're fulfilled in us and they're fulfilled so we can live them out. We don't live them out so that we can be in him. We are in him. And then they're fulfilled in our life. And then, and only then do we live a life of obedience from what Christ did. We don't walk towards it. Let me keep going. For truly I say to you until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter into the kingdom of heaven. Where is our righteousness found? In our right living. Wrong. Our righteousness is found in Jesus. Now, I can see it on your faces. I can actually hear some interior screaming going on right now. Stop, Pastor Daniel! Are you trying, some people are gonna think that you can go out and live any way that you wanna live if you don't turn the boat real fast and tell us that, that, that our actions matter and that obedience matters and that the do's and the don'ts of scripture are there for a reason. So please, Pastor Daniel, can you, can you give a disclaimer? No. So I don't have to live right? Then why is there so much in the Bible and even in the New Testament about what we should and should not do? Where does my obedience come into play? Where do my works come into play? Where do my actions come into play? Starting with identity never shirks obedience. That's a lie from the enemy who doesn't want people to begin looking at who Christ says they are. Understanding who we are and what has been done and speaking it over our lives is not an abolishment of the necessity of repentance. It's just moving beyond repentance. Like the author of Hebrews says, he literally says, some of us are still babies and still drinking milk because we don't yet understand the teaching on righteousness. He actually calls repentance one of the elementary doctrines. Living right and spitting white is not accomplished by us working harder. It was accomplished on the cross when Jesus said, it is finished. 
He didn't say, guys, I'm gonna take it part of the way and then you need to pick up the rest of the tab with your works. It's already been done. Recovery Alive is not, it's not 12 ways to earn your righteousness. That's not what they teach. That's not what we teach. It's 12 ways to begin walking in the newfound freedom that you've already been given through the finished work of the cross. Jesus fulfilled the law, so when we are in him, the law has been fulfilled in our lives already. Any concept of grace that makes us feel more comfortable sinning is not biblical grace. Grace is not just forgiveness. It's the power to live out what has been done in our lives already. So what does this all mean? It means we go from do to done. I don't know about y'all, but when I went through a process group, I argued it's the first step to the one about control, right? I argued with that for four months. Rich is rolling his eyes. No, he's laughing at me. I, I'm like, I don't have control issues. I'm sitting here thinking to myself like, noticing that the harder I tried to change my behavior, guess what? the worse it got. The fruit of the Spirit is not the result of us trying harder. The fruit of the Spirit is the result of us abiding in Christ. I want to show you something. I really believe we, if we have a paradigm shift in our, in our own understanding of our relationship with the Lord, I think it will carry out into the kind of discipleship that I know that every single person wants to see happen in this church. Amen. But I, I think we as a church, and I'm not talking about the global church, I'm talking to our church because I pastored this church, not other churches. I think we're getting actions, results, and identity in the wrong chronological order. What do I mean? If you put that slide up, it starts with action. I know that everyone in here, because when I said we're saved by our works, all of you were like, heresy, pull them out of the pulpit. Thank the Lord that like you guys know the word of God enough that when I on purpose misquote scripture, you guys always catch it. So thank you. I know none of us would say that we're saved by works. But I, 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 but I do think that this is kind of some, where some of us might be landing this morning. And it shows in the way we disciple each other. And I'm, I'm going I'm to explain it. This is really the most non-abundant way for a Christian to live. We look at the things that we do and the things that we don't do, we see the net result of them and then we allow that to tell us who we are. I wanna, I wanna just tell you something. You are not a drunk. You're not a meth head. You're not a hoe. You're not a hothead. You're not lazy. 
You're a child of the most high King. You have been fearfully and wonderfully made. And maybe you haven't figured out just yet how to walk in your newfound freedom because you don't know everything that came along with the package deal. But you're not the net result of the things that you do and say. If you are in Christ, you have been made a new creation. A new creation. Well, it don't look like it. That's because you're doing this. That's because you're looking at what you do, what you think, what you say. If I behave good four out of seven days of the week, then I must be a new creation. But when I don't, it is kind of finished. This kind of, listen to every one of you that, that are in any kind of church leadership, you work with students. Students, I know you guys are all about like you want to find your purpose in this life and that's great. But let me tell you something. When we think like this, we often believe that unless we're able to accomplish something big for the Lord, then we aren't who he says we are. God called Abram. Abram obeyed the call. God made him into a great nation. God made his name great. God calls people that blessed him to be blessed and curse those that cursed him. When Jesus called the disciples, when did he call them fishers of men? After they had caught one? Before. Their new identity is what led to different actions. Their new identity is what led to different patterns of thinking. Their new identity is what led to bad habits being turned into good habits. We don't earn our position in Christ. We walk from our position in Christ. This won't work. Why am I teaching this? Number one is biblical. And I've been talking about this a lot lately. You guys are probably picking it up that Pastor Daniel's gone through some stuff. And this is important to me. But listen to me. And, and I've had a couple people who are they're like, oh, be careful, be careful. We really need to make sure we're telling people that they got to live right and they got to do right. Let me tell you this. Not only is this not biblical, it doesn't work. The harder you try, the harder you'll fall. The harder you try to beat bad habits, the harder you try to de beat, defeat sin without the power of a, of a biblical process of discipleship, without the power of people in your life and without what Christ did on the cross, the harder we will fall. We would do better to go sit at the foot of the cross and gaze at the finished work of Calvary and go lay in an empty tomb and just roll around all in it. Oh, Daniel, you're, pie in the, you're in the sky right now, man. You've really zoomed out. You're getting real philosophical. Show me how to make the plane land. No, it doesn't need to. We do need to get sometimes, I, I, we need to get so spiritually minded that we're no earthly good. 
I think it would do us all, uh, it, it would help every one of us if we could get so heavenly minded, so focused on what Christ has already done for us that we, we didn't have to have a practical application from the message. We just go home and think about what he's done. The biblical pattern is this. Christ changes who we are. And because of that, our actions change. And when our actions change, our lives change. Our marriages change. Our parenting change. Our work stuff changes. We don't start with action. We start with an identity change. Jesus didn't come to Peter and say, follow me and work hard at becoming a fisher of men. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. For you as a believer, I'm, this is the key to your spiritual maturity. To move beyond your works and start looking at your identity. For you as a disciple maker, because I'm staring at a group of disciple makers. Amen. That's what you are. Hands down. Best disciple makers I've ever seen. This is the difference in you using people to get what you want versus loving people for who they are and leaving the results up to God. Amen. This is the difference in you being able to stick to the process. Even when you have hiccups and you don't get insta success. This is the only way to get better instead of bitter. Anybody ever come into a discipleship relationship and got, gotten bit? Raise your hand if you've ever been bitten. Raise your hand if you've ever been abandoned. Like somebody just like left cold turkey, decided to quit calling you. They were like, you're my, you're my Paul, Paul, I'll, I want you to lead me and guide me until I don't want you to lead me and guide me anymore. And then I'm going to chunk deuces and I'm going to block your phone number. That's never happened to anybody in here, right? All of our, all of our discipleship relationships are just so pretty and smooth and there's never any disagreements. Am I right? Am I right? Some of you are like, shut up, man. You are ridiculous. Get this guy out of here. That's heresy. This will change the way we lead our groups. It'll change the way we hold each other accountable. Because what if the phone call looked more like this? Hey, you're too righteous to talk like that. What's a citizen of heaven doing there? How are you doing that and sitting in the heavenly realms with Christ at the same time? You guys probably know I am a little bit of a competitive person, just kind of a tiny bit. Um, I enjoy coaching my kids' teams. Um, anybody else like doing that? It's kind of fun. And uh, yeah, good bulldogs. Do I got any bulldogs in the house? Like real bulldogs, like Grantham bulldogs. Okay, all right, all right, yeah, 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 that's what I'm talking about. Here we go. So, you know, 
I was coaching one of my kids' teams. We were kind of down. And I will tell you this. One thing about being a pastor, if you live in like a more country community like me, you'll find that people, they call you preacher. They don't call me by, sometimes they don't call me by my name. They don't call me Pastor Daniel. They're just like, hey, preacher. <laughs> I was in the gas station with the first week we, we were there. And somebody was like, you're that preacher, aren't you? And I'm like, I don't know who that preacher is, but I'm not him. <laughs> My name's Daniel. <laughs> I need to break from that stuff. That's why I moved out here. <laughs> so anyways, I'm, I'm coaching the team one time and, and they're down. We're, no, we're, we're down. It's like the last little part of the game. And uh, sometimes I will tell you nothing about being a pastor. People kind of expect things from you. You know, like if, if we're down and like all of a sudden everybody wants to pray, they're like, you want to say a prayer for us? And I'm like, why me? <laughs> right? God hears your prayers just like you hear mine. But this time I was asked to give like a little, little pep talk. Well, I didn't do pep talks. I love a good pep talk. So let me tell you what I didn't say. I didn't get the guys in a huddle and say, all right, guys, listen up. I want everybody to hear me out. Don't screw up. I want you to hit the ball. I want you to catch the ball. No errors. No mental breakdowns. It's, listen, don't mess up. Is everybody hear me? If you mess up, we're kicking you guys off the team. On three, don't get kicked off the team. One, two, three, don't get kicked off the team. That is not what I said. However, I will say this. In some of our circles of discipleship, that's kind of how we're ending. We're go, we're, all right, guys, listen. Don't do this, don't do that, do this. And if you, you don't behave right, this was my speech though. It went more like this. I was like, so my dad had a dog when he was a kid. It was an old bulldog. And the kids were like, <laughs> and this bulldog, he loved little kids but he hated other dogs. He loved little kids so much, they'd put a blanket in the yard and the kids would sit on the blanket and the bulldog would pull the kids all over the yard. He did it so much that he pulled every single one of his teeth out. One day, this big old German shepherd came into the yard and all the kids are looking at me like this. They're really into my story. And then, then I answer, I was like, they look like a bunch of German shepherds over there, don't they, boys? Yes, sir, Coach Wings. Yes, sir, Coach Wings. And next thing we know, they know, Big old fight erupted. They could hear the dogs barking, snarling, screaming. And then something happened. The dogs disappeared. So they went out, couldn't find the dogs. They heard some commotion under the house. Got a flashlight. Crawled under the house. And you know what they found? They found that toothless bulldog trying to gum that German shepherd to death. <laughs> All the kids are looking at me. I'm like, you know why? Because he's a bulldog. And what are we? We're bulldogs! We're, bull, we're bulldogs! What are we gonna do? We're gonna, we're gonna gum them to death? No, but what are we? We're bulldogs! Now what are we gonna do? We're gonna win, because what do bulldogs do? They win. We don't ever give up. We're gonna sink our teeth in, and if we ain't got teeth, we're gonna sink our gums in. But we're gonna get after it because who we are. Y'all ain't hearing what I'm saying. 
I think some of us need to learn the do's and don'ts of Scripture ain't exactly inspirational. And Christianity is not a list of stuff I should and should not do. Christianity is about your whole identity being changed. And when your identity is changed, when you understand who you are, your behavior will change. I'm not telling you your behavior doesn't matter. I'm not saying that your works don't matter. I'm not saying that your words don't matter. I'm just saying if you're really serious about seeing it change, then learn some identity statements about God, who God says that you are. Like this, I want you to stand up on your feet. I told you I won't preach long, nobody believed me. That's what you get. I want, to, I want everybody to make eye contact with me because I'm going to teach you. And they're, they're going to put this. What I'm saying is, is going to be on, on the screen. You can scan that. You can look on social media and you can learn this. Look at my eyeballs. Look at me. You're God's child. Johnny, you're God's child. When you confess Jesus Christ as the son of God and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you became, you became God's child. And God look, looks after his boys. He looks after his young men. You're Christ's friend. You're Christ's friend, Ed. What would you do for me if I needed something? Anything. I know you would. But he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. You've been justified already. You're not working for your justification. You've already been justified. You're united with the Lord and you're one with him in spirit. So when you don't feel him, when you're going through a season of drought and through a desert, you're united with him. You've been bought with a price. You're a member of Christ's body. Well, I don't like the body part that I am. You're a member of Christ's body. You're a saint. You've been adopted as God's child. You've been adopted as God's child. You have direct access to God through the Holy Spirit. But Pastor Daniel, I haven't been living right. I haven't been doing what I'm supposed to do. Doesn't my access get cut off? No. You didn't earn it. You didn't work for it. The Holy Spirit gave you access. So even in the middle of a pit, you can cry out to God and know that the connection is there because of the Holy Spirit. I dare some of us parents, the next time our teenagers start acting a fool, up in here, up in here. <laughs> to look them in the eye and say, you've already been redeemed and forgiven of all your sins. You're too redeemed to act like this. You're too forgiven to keep walking in this false identity that the world is feeding you. A cheap bag of tricks. You're not who the world says you are. You're who Christ said you are. And for those of us that struggle feeling like there's just 
something wrong with me. I'm defective. There's just something inherently wrong with how God made me. You're complete in Christ. Ain't done. You're free from condemnation. What does that mean? When those condemning faults come in and you think it's responsible to entertain them because you need to pay the penalty for your sin, it is finished. It is finished. It is finished. He paid the penalty for your sins. You don't have to take one for the team. He did. You are free from all condemnation. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You are assured that all things work together for good. You're free from any condemning charges. You cannot be separated from the love of God. You've been established, anointed, and sealed. That's better than signed, sealed, and delivered any day of the week. I want you to hear that again. I'm established. I'm established. I grew roots. He grew my roots. I ain't going nowhere. I'm established. I've been anointed. You've been given every single thing you need to do every single thing that God tells you that you can do. So you're established, you're anointed, and guess what? He licked the envelope. You've been sealed. Some of you who are still living with the false teaching of paranoid faith. I'm hidden with Christ in God. This has been my favorite one for a long time. Michael, you can be confident that the good work God has begun in you will be perfected. Just like when you start a job, you don't quit. You finish it. He's not a quitter either. You got it from him. You got it from your daddy. You are a citizen of heaven. You can find grace and mercy in your time of need. You're born of God and the evil one cannot touch you. You guys want me to shift up and just give you a list of things you need to do when you leave today? I don't know, this feels a lot better. You're the salt and the light of the earth. Every room you walk into changes because you're in it. Because of who lives inside of you. You're a branch of the true vine, a channel of his life, and you will bear fruit. So what does that mean? That means I stopped going to the grocery store and getting staplers and fruit and tacking it all over my chest. Instead, I look at the vine. I look at the vine and I remind myself, wait, wait, I don't have to work to produce fruit. What I need to realize is that I'm in the vine. I will produce fruit because I am in Christ. I'm a personal witness of Christ. You're God's temple. And you know what that means? That means so is she. That means so is he. And you know what that means? It means that I don't have to work so hard at not forsaking the assembling together of the brethren because when I realize, when I get together with this guy, I just got together with a temple of the Holy Spirit. I dare you the next time your group meets and you don't wanna go, I want you to just ponder. Every single one of them is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And then let me know if you go or not. You're a minister of reconciliation. 
How many ministers do I have in the house? How many ministers do I have in the house? If you're, come on, get your hand. I'm, I'm see, let's own it. Let's own it. If you are saved, you've been set free and you're redeemed, you are a minister of reconciliation. I ain't done yet. This is better than football. You're God's coworker. So if you don't like your job, you're God's coworker. You're seated with Christ in the heavenly realm. You're God's workmanship. You can approach God with freedom and confidence. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And what does all things translate into? All things, yeah. Even things that don't seem spiritual. Listen to me, I gotta let you go. Identity will lead to actions that line up with God's Word. Knowing who you are. Parents, look at me. You can, you can scan this little code thing. I don't even know what it's called. Q, QR. QR code. I was about to say, it's QVC. If you call now, we'll throw in two other identity statements for free. We will be checking your tithing records, though. That was a joke. Okay, it was, okay, never mind, Ooh, too soon. Listen, when you know who you are, it will lead to, to behaviors being changed. Parents, I dare you. I double dog dare you. Actually, I changed my mind. I'm gonna say it a different way. I know for a fact that we have so many God-fearing, identity-based parents in this church that you're gonna start telling your kids who they are in Christ. Rather than hugging them and when they get out of the car saying, don't do anything stupid, you're gonna say, you're gonna hug them and say, you know, remember, you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Remember how righteousness acts. text them just thinking about you being a citizen of heaven right now you might want to let him know you're a citizen of heaven tell him tell him if he's comfortable God's in the room right now you're a citizen of heaven All right, I'm in and on this I think y'all know the story of Shadrach, that ain't their names. That's what we've learned. Their names were Ananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And the first thing the enemy did when he took them captive was to change their name. Ananiah means God has been gracious. Mishael means I am who God is. Azariah means God has helped me. But their names were changed to Shadrach, which means inspired of Aku, who is a pagan god. 
Meshach, which means belonging to Aku. And Abednego, which means servant of Nego, which was another pagan God. I guarantee you, when those three boys were in captivity, they didn't call each other Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You're not what the world says you are. You're who Christ says you are. And the content of our discipleship, if we're gonna build long-lasting relationships that produce the kind of life change, have to be more about forth calling and calling out what God says we are more than just holding each other accountable to do and not do certain stuff. Your identity is rooted in Christ, not in your actions, but your actions will change when you know who you are in Christ. If you enjoyed today's message, we want to encourage you to join our Facebook online community. Search for Bethel Church online for more great content from our pastors and leaders here at Bethel. Join us next week for another inspiring message.